HR Party of One is brought to you by Bernie Portal, the all-in-one HRIS that saves you time so you can foster a better place to work. In this episode, we'll talk all about Form I-9. As an HR professional, you are dedicated to maintaining compliance with government agencies. Between tax series forms and ACA forms and more, there are thousands of federally required documents to track. One of these forms you need for every current employee and even former employees, Form I-9. Messing up Form I-9s can lead to penalties, so filing it and storing it correctly are critical. However, Form I-9 has changed much in recent years, so we are here to give you the updates so you can remain compliant. In this episode of HR Party of One, we will give you a comprehensive breakdown of Form I-9 covering what it is, filing it correctly, documents employees must provide for it, how long you should retain it, recent changes, and more. Let's get started. What is Form I-9? Form I-9 is a form required by the United States Citizenship and Immigration Services, officially called the Employment Eligibility Verification Form. It's an important form you must produce for each new hire to verify that they are eligible to work within the United States. This form must be submitted for any employee that you pay wages or remunerations. Remuneration is anything of value like accommodations, food, transportation, etc. So anyone paid for their work via a company car, lodging, meal plans, or typical wages must have I-9 documentation. Form I-9 didn't just appear out of thin air. It's actually been around since 1986. I think a brief history session is in order, so let's run through a timeline on Form I-9. In 1986, Congress passed the Immigration Reform and Control Act. The bill, which was passed during the Reagan administration, made it illegal for American employers to hire unauthorized workers knowingly. As a result, Form I-9 was introduced to verify the legal status of employees. In 1990, Congress passed the Immigration Act of 1990, which prohibited the abuse of discriminatory documentary practices during the employment eligibility verification process. In 1996, the government passed the Illegal Immigration Reform and Immigrant Responsibility Act of 1996, which reduced the number of eligible documents employers could accept during the verification process. It also created the pilot program that paved the way for E-Verify. In 2004, legislation made it possible to complete the I-9 electronically. In 2007, the federal government began using E-Verify to complete this process electronically. We covered current legislation and requirements for E-Verify in an HR Party of One FAQ, which I'll link for you in the description. In 2019, the USCIS released a new version of Form I-9, which expired on October 31st, 2022. In 2020, a new version of Form I-9 was released. COVID-19 restrictions also affected how I-9s were reviewed, but new legislation has arisen, so it's critical to take note of each change we cover in this episode. In 2023, the current version of Form I-9 was released. After October 31st, 2023, employers must use the newest version going forward. Back to present. Every American employer is required to complete and store Form I-9 for each worker it hires, including both citizens and non-citizens. You could work for a five-person company or a 5,000-person company, and the government still wants to collect this information. 
Likewise, the people you hire are required to fill out a portion of Form I-9 and present documents that verify their identity and authorization to work in the country. Who fills out Form I-9? Completing Form I-9 for a newly hired individual is accomplished by a maximum of three people, the employee, the employer, or their authorized representative and a preparer or translator. An authorized representative is anyone the employer deems fit to review documents and fill out the employer section of the form. For an HR party of one, this can be you, your boss, manager, neighbor, yoga teacher, or anyone else. However, choosing a representative who is involved and committed to your organization's compliance is best. While Fran down the street can technically act as an authorized representative, you may want to do this yourself or assign a capable and trustworthy admin. As an HR party of one, you're probably the one doing document review and signing your authorization and handling this whole process anyway, but others are not so hands-on. An employment lawyer shared one story with me about an Arkansas office where the person tasked with managing I-9s often had their assistant review documents if they were busy. Any forms completed in this manner were fraudulent and the Immigration Customs Enforcement Agency known as ICE was not impressed to discover the mistake. A preparer or translator is someone authorized to help the employee fill out the required portion of Form I-9. This does not have to be a trained official from the federal government or another agency. You can have a preparer or translator on hand like a current employee who speaks the same language and acts in a helpful capacity. A preparer or translator isn't required for every I-9, but can provide a bridge over a language barrier if your employee is not a native English speaker or needs additional aid for other reasons. How do you fill out Form I-9? According to the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, employees must fill out Section 1 with the following information. Their full legal name, if even their name consists of two last names, two first names, only one name, a hyphen or apostrophe, or a middle name. Other legal last names used, including a maiden name, if applicable, current address, including street name, and number, city, state, and zip code, including the apartment number or letter, if applicable. Date of birth citizenship or immigration status, if applicable, USCIS A number, form I-94 admission number, or foreign passport number, including country of issuance, and the date employment authorization expires, and their signature and the date. Optional employee entries for section one include social security number, email address, telephone number. Employers must fill out Section 2 of Form I-9. This information includes the date your employee began or will begin work for pay, the first and last name, signature, and title of the person completing Section 2, the date they completed Section 2, the employer's business name and physical address. As a note, you may not enter a P.O. box as the address. If your company has multiple locations, use the address where the employee will be working or where they completed their I-9. The document title, issuing authority document number, if any, and expiration date, if any, from the documents your employee presented. If you use the e-verify method, check the box in the additional information field. If your employee uses a preparer or translator to help them fill out their portion of the I-9, you must ensure they fill out Supplement A, an additional form identifying and authorizing the preparer or translator. They must also enter the name of the employee they assisted, 
their own name and signature, the same date the employee entered on their I-9, and the address where they assisted in filling out this form. There are other specific instructions as well, like using only an initial when entering their middle name. Be careful to follow the provided instructions attached to the I-9. What documents does an employer need for Form I-9? Form I-9 requires employees to submit an original, acceptable, and unexpired document from an approved list to their employer. The employer uses the document to verify the employee's information they submitted on their form and makes copies of them to store alongside the I-9 for however long they must keep the records. Employees can either submit one document from list A or one document each from list B and list C. List A includes a U.S. passport or U.S. passport card, Form I-551, Permanent Resident Card or Alien Registration Receipt Card. Form I-766, Employment Authorization Document Card. A foreign passport with Form I-94 or Form I-94A with arrival slash departure record and containing an endorsement to work. A passport from the Federated States of Micronesia or the Republic of the Marshall Islands, RMI, with Form I-94 or Form I-94A, or a foreign passport containing a Form I-551 stamp or Form I-551 printed notation. List B includes a driver's license, an ID card issued by federal, state, or local government agencies or entities, provided it contains a photograph or information such as name, date of birth, gender, height, eye color, and address, school ID card with a photograph, voter registration card, U.S. military card or draft record, military dependents ID card, U.S. Coast Guard merchant mariner document MMD card, Native American tribal document, or a driver's license issued by a Canadian government authority. For minors without LISPI documents, they can use school records or report cards, clinic, doctor, or hospital records, or daycare or nursery school records. And LISPI documents include U.S. Social Security account number card, Form FS-240 Consular Report of Birth Abroad, Form FS-545 Certification of Birth Abroad issued by the U.S. Department of State, Form DS-1350 Certification of Report of Birth issued by the U.S. Department of State, Original or Certified Copy of a Birth Certificate issued by a State, County, Municipal, Authority, or Outlying Territory of the United States bearing an official seal. Native American Tribal Doc, Form I-197 U.S. Citizen ID Card, Form I-179 Identification Card for Use of Resident Citizen in the United States, or Employment Authorization Document issued by the Department of Homeland Security, DHS. DHS documentation may include Form I-94 Arrival slash Departure Record issued to asylees or work-authorized non-immigrants, for example, H-1B non-immigrants because of their immigration status. Form I-571 Refugee Travel Doc, an unexpired Form I-327 Re-Entry Permit. 
Form N-560, Certificate of U.S. Citizenship, or Form N-561, Replacement, Certificate of Citizenship, or Form N-550, Certificate of Naturalization, or Form N-570, Replacement Certificate of Naturalization, or Form I-797, issued to a conditional resident may be an acceptable lessee document in combination with an expired Form I-551. In certain circumstances, employees can use an acceptable receipt for list A, B, or C documents. You may never encounter some of these documents. The most common one tends to be passports, driver's license, social security cards, tribal documents, military cards, or draft records, and birth certificates. But it's important to have familiarity with the different kinds of documents your particular organization or industry may see most often. If you find yourself outsourcing certain specialists from foreign countries, then you can prepare by looking up how the typical forms for temporary foreign workers or resident alien status workers look. However, HR professionals aren't bouncers that must know if a Florida ID has the correct shade of blue for the photo image backdrop. Your concerns are not the same as someone trying to prevent underage people from sneaking into a pub. Running into fake documentation isn't a 0% chance but it is unlikely. You aren't required to become the ultimate expert on ensuring the validity of legal documentation. You have due diligence to check documents to ensure faces and names match up, but don't overstress yourself. If you have reasonable suspicion that a document is forged or otherwise not owned by the new hire in question, then you can reject that particular document and request a different one. It's much more common for employees to provide unacceptable documents without realizing it. For instance, they may unintentionally submit an expired ID, which you cannot accept, or they may have had a name change, not realizing they must provide supporting documents proving that change. So if someone is newly married with a last name change, they must provide the marriage certificate as proof. You should make copies of these supporting documents and keep them safely stored in a compliance feature like Brady Portals. Also know that you can't request specific forms. This practice is illegal. What you can do is provide a list of acceptable forms. If you host this list in your online onboarding process and require that new hires read and sign off on it, then you're in the clear and all new hires are informed quickly. How long should you retain Form I-9? Employers are required to retain Form I-9 for all employees hired after November 6, 1986 for as long as the employee works for them. Once a worker leaves the company, you have to keep that former employee's I-9 on file for a specified period of time, dependent on how long they stayed with the organization. These timeframes include if a worker was employed for less than two years, their Form I-9 needs to be retained for three years after the date entered in the first day of employment section of the document. If a worker was employed for more than two years, their Form I-9 must be retained for one year after the date they stopped working for the employer. Storage requirements come into play here as well. Employers can store Form I-9 on paper, microfilm, or electronically. Here at Bernie Portal, we highly recommend the latter. Our HRAS includes a function that automatically stores Form I-9 and the acceptable documents online once employees submit them during the onboarding process. This approach makes it easy for HR to keep track of the entire team's documents, and to be quite honest, it's much safer that way.
While no law requires employers to separate I-9s from personnel files, employers often choose to do so voluntarily in order to protect employee information and as an extra safety measure in the case of an audit by ICE. When you're storing documents that contain social security numbers and other critical and private information, you want them to be as safe as possible. Here at Bernie Portal, our HRIS's security features are top of the line and keep all information secure, including mine. Is there a deadline for completing Form I-9? Yes. I-9s do have a deadline that employees and employers must abide by. The employee must complete their portion by their first day of employment. This is not the same day they accept the job offer, so you have a little time to ensure people complete their part. If you are concerned about employees finding the time to complete their portion, include it in your online onboarding process so they must fill it out within a strict deadline to help you ensure compliance. The employer must complete their portion within three days of the employee's start date and return a completed copy to the employee. Do I need to file Form I-9 somewhere? No, Form I-9 does not need to be filed with any government agency. However, you still need it in order to verify an employee's identity and authorization to work. The Privacy Act notice informs employers that the government has the right to request these documents for inspection at any time. So if you don't have these forms for each of your current employees, you run the risk of non-compliance. It is important for HR parties of one to note that ICE is unlikely to raid your office to check for Form I-9s. Some industries are higher risk than others, and HR professionals in those organizations already know the critical importance of Form I-9 compliance. But if you're HR at an accounting office with 30 employees, you don't need to anxiously triple check that you've done everything right. While I-9s are important, be careful to manage your priorities depending on the demands of your role. Form I-9s might seem complicated, but thankfully you're the expert at maintaining your organization's compliance with federal and state regulations. While 2023's changes to the forms are significant, you can use this episode as a guide. And remember, your role is as strategic as you make it.